0: Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. It's Fertility Preservation Month, and today on the show, we're speaking with Dr. Segal Klipstein about planned oocyte cryopreservation. Dr. Klipstein is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology, as well as reproductive endocrinology and infertility, and also holds a fellowship in medical ethics, and is the chair of the ASRM. Ethics Committee. Dr. Klipstein, welcome back to ASRM Today. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. We've got so much to cover and, and, and not, not a whole lot of time to do it, but I, I want us to get in as much as possible today on this, on this very important topic for this very important month. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about increasing trends and options available to women as it relates to oocyte cryopreservation?
1: Thank you so much. So absolutely. Egg freezing um, has been uh, an option for about 20 years. Um, It's become more successful and our ability to freeze eggs uh, with greater chance of of leading to pregnancy on the other side of things has increased. Part of that, initially, egg freezing was used for uh, women undergoing gonadotropic therapies. So for, for cancer treatment, Uh, to prevent uh, loss of their reproductive potential. So prior to chemotherapy or prior to loss of their ovaries, they uh, froze their eggs. Um, Over time, as that technology became more successful, um, it became uh, uh, an option not only for for that use, but also for women who wanted to perhaps delay childbirth or weren't quite ready to have children, but wanted to essentially protect their fertility um, and freeze their um, eggs at their current age. So a woman who freezes eggs, let's say at age 30, will have those 30-year-old eggs indefinitely. And so when she comes back to use those eggs, her risk of miscarriage her risk of having chromosomal abnormalities with those eggs, um, her chance of pregnancy, all of those are those of a 30-year-old and not those of the the age that she will be when she ultimately uses those eggs. So it's a really nice uh, option for uh, for a lot of people that's a fairly new option. It uh, was considered experimental for many years. And in 2013, the ASRM practice committee came out with a statement after looking at all the data and stated that it was no longer considered experimental, at least for use in women who were post so after uh, who had already started menstruating um, and who were facing uh, therapies that might affect their uh, fertility due to uh, medical treatment or or cancer treatment. Um, At that time, the data wasn't quite as robust as we wanted it to be to provide it uh, as a general option to everybody. But over the years, it's become, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, an option that's become quite successful, and, and we've been using it both for individual women to protect their fertility and do what they can to safeguard their their future uh, fertility, and also uh, has been used uh, successfully to bank uh, eggs from egg donors for uh, later use, so that you no longer have to synchronize an egg donor and the recipient of those eggs.
0: There's also some new nomenclature: uh, planned oocyte cryo preservation. Can you can you sort of unpack that for us? How has that come about and, and what exactly does it indicate?
1: Yeah, so we really were trying to convey that the reason is not exactly elective because, um, because women don't necessarily elect to delay childbirth and they don't elect to um, perhaps develop their career at the time that they're most fertile. Um, and so this way, we think that it, it really provides more uh, accurate assessment of what women are looking for which is planning, planning their life, planning their childbearing, and being able to not worry as much about the biological clock so that their biological imperative is protected uh, without having to worry about the very small window of time at which they're most fertile.
0: So then what other uses can you tell us about?
1: So it does actually uh, come up uh, on occasion when, for example, a woman uh, goes through an IVF cycle and sperm is not available on the day of the egg retrieval. Um, And so we can freeze those eggs. Um, It used to be when we weren't able to freeze eggs that if there was no sperm available, either um, the male couldn't produce or the sperm did not arrive at the fertility center on time, that those eggs could not be frozen and they uh, had to be discarded. So that is a a nice uh, option that we um, did not have uh, before. The other uh, nice use of the technology is for um, individuals who perhaps feel uncomfortable with having extra embryos to freeze after an IVF cycle. So traditionally we take all the eggs and we fertilize them and we um, create as many embryos, um, you know, as, as will arise from a a given uh, egg donor IVF egg retrieval cycle. However um, that leaves some um, some couples and individuals with more embryos than they think that they will use. And so some women will choose to only fertilize a limited number of uh, eggs And that way, uh, some will be fertilized, the rest will be frozen. And if she doesn't fertilize enough uh, to be able to have the family that she wants, she can always go back and thaw the eggs as eggs and only fertilize a limited number each time um, so as not to produce uh, an excess number of embryos. So that's a nice uh, option as well. And um, also with um, fertility preservation, uh, we sometimes have people come in um, that perhaps are Uh, in a relationship or engaged or married, but uh, facing a cancer diagnosis. And uh, we always have the discussion of whether to freeze eggs or embryos. And what you find is that even though perhaps you're in a committed relationship at the time of your cancer diagnosis and you think you'll forever uh, be with that individual, Um, You do have more options by freezing eggs um, so that later if that relationship ends or you don't choose to enter into um, a parenting relationship with the person uh, that initially came with you at the time of your cancer diagnosis, you have eggs that are uh, unfertilized and so you have more freedom to do what you would like with them and to use them for your reproductive purposes down the road.
0: Now there might be a misconception too by women, not necessarily propagated by any providers, but that just maybe just in the general gestalt of things is that this is a a a procedure and/or a or a way to have an almost an insurance policy for you know having children and families in the future. This is, but this is not the case. And, And I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. It's a really important point, point. and so we all would like to have crystal balls and be able to say that if you freeze a certain number of eggs, you will for sure have as many babies as you want down the road uh, when you come back to to thaw those eggs and and um, and fertilize them and make embryos. However, um, it, you know, as much as it's sort of seen sometimes and portrayed in the media as an insurance policy, sort of insure yourself against fertile, future infertility, um, there's not really a guarantee, and so. Um, we know that, that uh, for example, in a woman who is um, under 35, um, if she's able to freeze 10 mature eggs, she has a 70% chance of eventually being able to have at least one baby with those eggs. Um, the more eggs you freeze, the better your chance, and each individual egg has a certain ability to make an, a, an embryo and a baby down the road, and that percentage per egg is somewhere between two and eight or nine percent, depending on the age of the woman at the time that she freezes it. We could talk a little bit about age and and egg freezing too. Um, But there's no guarantee with however many eggs you produce uh, today that you will on the other end be able to have children. And so while it's a wonderful option and while you definitely um, take eggs that are um, young today and you know, you'll never be as young as you are today. And those eggs will be certainly more viable um, than any eggs that you produce in the future. And you are going to increase your chances. There's no way to guarantee that you will 100% have a baby at the other end of things. And that's a really important part of the counseling when women come in and want to freeze their eggs uh, to understand what it is they're actually um, buying, uh, quote unquote, um, with the, the egg freezing that they're undergoing.
0: So certainly back background to what you just just mentioned about age and egg freezing then. What, what, what should patients and providers know currently? Is, is there, there updates to this? Or is there just sort of a, a base common knowledge that, that, that should be out there?
1: Yeah, so, so we all know that as a woman gets older, her fertility decreases. Um, and with that, the quality of the eggs decreases. Most of that is because the eggs over time become chromosomally abnormal. And so uh, either they don't fertilize or they don't uh, develop into embryos or they don't implant or they miscarry. Um, but the younger a woman is at the time of her donation, the more likely any individual egg is going to be to lead to a baby on the other end. Also, the younger you are, the less eggs you need in order to achieve a pregnancy on the other end. Um, for example, so so we, you know, so we encourage women to come in um, younger, but you don't want to come in too young um, because there's also some research that shows that that women who are, the younger you are at the time that you freeze your eggs, the less likely you are to come back to use them. Um, and what is the reason for that? It may be because you've found your life partner and you, you're you know, you're young. And so a few years after you freeze your eggs, you're still fairly young in terms of your reproductive age um, and you have no problem getting pregnant. You may choose not to have babies. Um, and so the younger you are, the less likely you are to come back, but the more likely you are to have eggs that are, are viable. So there seems to be a little bit of a sweet spot. On the other hand, if you're a little bit older and you come in um, to freeze eggs, you need many more eggs to achieve the same, same chance of success. So just kind of by way of example, a woman who's 38 or 40 needs 20 or 25 eggs to have a 70% chance of having one baby at the other end of it. So like I said, at age 40, you might need 25 eggs. At age 30, you might need 10 eggs. The, the other issue with that is that the older you are, the harder it is to get a number, uh, you know, an ideal number of eggs. So a, a woman who's 30 or 32 or 34 is likely going to have enough eggs to give herself that 70% chance of success on the other end with just one cycle of egg retrieval, one, one uh, fertility uh, freezing procedure. Um, a woman who's 40 may need two or three or four cycles in order to get those those same 10 eggs. And she doesn't need 10 eggs. She probably needs 20 eggs. And it's unlikely that a 40 or 43 year old will have that many eggs frozen. And so you have to balance those two things. There seems to be a sweet spot somewhere between, I would say, age 34 and 38 um, to freeze eggs um, where you're not so young that you're not likely to come back and you're not so much older uh, in terms of your, your egg age. Um, that you need so many eggs that the, the process really isn't going to, to benefit you. Um, so that's an important consideration uh, when when a woman is deciding, you know, when to freeze her eggs.
0: And even though that is that sweet spot, as you're, you're talking about, there has been success with women in the 40 to 44 year old range uh, in the last 40 years, as far as rate of birth. Is that
1: Absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. And success rates are increasing. Um, even though the the age between forty and forty five has been the most difficult uh, age to to improve success rates, because the chromosomes of the um, eggs become damaged over time, and so um, so success rates are. are uh, across the board, lower in that age group, but yes, we definitely have success in women who are 40 or 42, um, up to age 45, that freeze eggs, but the success is much lower. Um, and so, so when we go back to sort of this uh, this insurance policy, your insurance policy is not such a good policy um, above a certain age.
0: And I think age two plays. Begin to play a large role in in, in thinking more about the ethics uh, of of a lot of this, and and I would be remiss if I if if I I, I have the the chair of the ASRM Ethics Committee yeah. with me here today. We have to talk about the ethics of, of of this. What currently should providers be counseling women patients about?
1: Yeah, so I think that the most important thing um, is to counsel accurately, right? To give really good thorough information so that an individual can make the right decision for herself as to whether this is a good option for her, and also the timing of this option. So first of all, as we discussed, it's important to to, to just get the point across that while this is an amazing option and a very good option, and many women have benefited from it, it's not a guarantee. It's important to talk about the efficacy um, and the safety. I mean, there are risks of ovarian stimulation, small risks, but those have to be discussed, bleeding infection from egg retrieval, things like that. Um, you really need to talk about the benefits versus the risks and have that be a balance for every individual person and, and allow the person to ask the questions that they have about the process and about the freezing. I think the other part of the counseling, um, when we talk about, you know, just, uh transparency and informed consent is that there is a cost to the egg freezing. There's a cost to maintaining those eggs in perpetuity um, to to store those eggs. Um, But there's also a cost on the other end to thaw those eggs and to fertilize them and to make embryos and to transfer those into the uterus. And so there are downstream costs that need to be at least um, mentioned at the time of the egg freezing because, uh, because those may become very relevant down the road. But I do think that uh, in the end, this really is uh, when we talk about the ethics, it, it offers more reproductive choice to women and increases the reproductive autonomy for sure. Um, it gives them in a way less pressure from the biological clock um, and more time to find either suitable relationships or the right time in their life or become financially stable or um, achieve career um my, uh, mile, milestones that they that are important to them before they uh, are able to start a family, whether that be like socially, financially, psychologically. Um, and in the end, I think it promotes the well-being of the woman who doesn't have to rely so much on a very small window of time in order to have her children. Um, having said that, um, when women come in to talk to me about egg freezing, um, I think it's important to also talk about their life goals. So um, so not only, Um, what is your kind of sense of what you might want to do with family building in the future, Um, but what's the timing of that? Um, And if you're ready to have a baby now, maybe egg freezing is not right for you. Some women will choose to do donor sperm insemination. Some women will choose um, maybe to not freeze eggs because they feel after counseling that they have a few more years before they need to make this decision. So really the counseling is really important and the life plan is also very important.
0: This, this beneficence, this, this sense of equality of social justice, we know that it's still in the nascent stages with at least larger corporations, you know, especially tech companies, they've, they've made offers to, to, to employees. What does the field see as, as a, a healthy growth here? How, how, how do, how do uh, providers, uh, and also how does the, the society itself, uh, the, and I'm speaking of our own organization, how do we expand more into into that corporate world to make these offers more uh, more realistic
1: yeah it's it's kind of a tricky question so um, on the one hand it's a really nice offer to um, employees to be able to freeze eggs and not have to worry you know about having children perhaps when they're not ready however, uh, when Facebook and Google uh, initially came out with their um, offering to, to um, cover egg freezing cycles for their employees, there was a lot of pushback from the, the media. And the pushback was that these corporations are actually trying to coerce women into uh, working harder and delaying childbirth. And they're just giving them this option because it's better for, for the corporation. I actually didn't see it that way. I thought it was really a way um, to retain young you know, women employees who uh, might want uh, to benefit from these, these potential services. I, I do think it would be wonderful if there was more coverage for egg freezing. There are lots of women who might benefit from it. And you know, sometimes you can look at it and say it might be even financially feasible because if you freeze eggs when you're young, that that would certainly be beneficial, or at least if you're comparing that to having to do in vitro fertilization down the road, um, younger eggs are always better. And so you might save some money on, on that end um, and certainly some. Um, you know, effort and and heartache for, for, uh, for people who want to have children later and and have a much harder time. On the other hand, you don't want to coerce women into feeling that they have to freeze eggs either because they're worried about their future fertility. And if they don't freeze eggs, they'll never have a baby. I mean, that's certainly not the message that we're trying to convey. Um, And you certainly don't want women to feel like they can't have children because now there's this wonderful option to freeze eggs um, and so they shouldn't have children when they're younger. They should build their career. They should do other things. And um, that's certainly not the message that we, um, we want to convey. I think the, the real message is that women should have choice and that this is one way of increasing choice for women. And it's a good option for some women and not a good option for others. Um, but for those who want to benefit from it, uh, they should have that opportunity and it should be provided and ASRM and insurers and society at large should do what we can to help people have increased reproductive choice.
0: Well, Dr. Klipstein, I, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. And, and as always, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you on any topic. But uh, it's a special delight to talk to you today about planned oocyte cryopreservation. I hope we can have you on uh, uh, in, in the coming months to come back and, and talk some more with us.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight.
0: You can subscribe to
1: us on Apple
0: Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast uh, downloads from. I have been talking today with Dr. Sabel Klipstein. We've been talking about planned oocyte cryopreservation. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today Series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.